This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As GB News launched, Andrew Neil, its then chairman and flagship presenter, said the channel would empower those who feel their stories, their opinions, their concerns have been ignored or diminished and that it would be an alternative to the media establishment dominated by a metropolitan mindset. Bit of a low blow there, Andrew. Neil, whether you agree or disagree with his positions, came with a huge reputation and clearly had lofty ambitions for the outlet. But just two weeks after going on air, he took leave before eventually quitting and saying that joining the channel was a huge mistake. So it's fair to say things didn't get off to a good start, and it was easy to take the piss out of it, and it still often is. But it's still going. Its presenters are putting questions to the Prime Minister and heading out on government press trips, including ones which the BBC hasn't made it on. So is it time to take it seriously, regardless of our own political stripes? Here to discuss this with me is Will Turville, Associate Editor of Press Gazette and a media correspondent for The New Statesman. Hi, Will. Hello. Will, after Neil quit, he said, I think GB News is still haunted by the shambles of the launch and that will take a long while to overcome. Has it? I would actually say I think it has overcome the shambles of the launch. Like it or not, it's still around. It's been around two years. It's established itself in, in the UK media. It's got it's got an audience. It seems to be growing from everything we've seen. So yeah, I think, as, as you say, I mean, the, the departure of Andrew Neil was a big blow to people who joined GB News. If you remember when it around the time it was launching, people were saying it's going to be the Fox News of of Britain, um, which, you know, and a lot of people would say that it's lived up to that. But I think the involvement of Andrew Neil at that stage would have really, if if you were if you were a journalist at an established news organisation, you'd think, oh, do I want to join the Fox News of Britain? No. Do I want to join a channel that has Andrew Neil at the top of it, one of the best and most well-known journalists in the country? Yeah, I think I'd probably give that a go. So yeah, it was a massive blow losing him. And he said it would take a long time to recover. I kind of feel like it like it has in some ways. Was it always going to be hard with Andrew Neil them saying they were an anti-establishment channel and then taking on a figure who had been so intrinsically tied to the BBC? It's quite hard to say, we're going to push against this establishment and by doing that, we're going to take someone who has chaired The Spectator and been a massive figure at the BBC too. Was that always a bit of a strange, strange signing there? Yeah, I guess so. In, in that sense, yeah. I guess there'd always be a feeling that Andrew Neil wasn't quite, he definitely was establishment in some ways, but he was always seen as kind of right of centre establishment. You know, he's he's a guy who's on the BBC, but he's also the chairman of The Spectator. And I think a lot of people would say that the BBC and The Spectator are very different organisations, but I, I, I can understand what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. When you're pushing against stuff, was him quitting almost a bit of a, at least a bit of a paper there for them to go, well, he's quitting, we're going to prove all the naysayers wrong, and even him, he's an naysayer now, so we're going to prove all of that wrong. Does that kind of push it along a little bit? Oh, I'm sure, yeah. And I guess the thing is that the journalists that I'm talking about, the journalists who might have been on the fence about whether to join an organisation that was being built up as a Fox News, I think anyone who who thought that and then and then was crestfallen to see Andrew Neil leave, they've probably all gone now as well. So you'd think maybe there's there's you'd think that it would be a bit like uh, you know 
a Jose Mourinho type um, siege mentality is built up there or, or something. You could imagine that, couldn't you, where, where they're the underdog. They had Andrew Neil, so they were the underdog with a great figurehead, and then they lost him, and now they're an underdog with no well, particularly well-known figureheads. So, yeah, you can see how that would spur them on, I think, yeah. Was our understanding of what they meant by being a Fox News maybe a little bit a little bit warped that we thought that meant they would be this huge media entity in the way that Fox News is, but it was never going to have as big an audience as that because we're not in America and there's not mm. as many people. But also, Fox News is it's a real vehicle for political force and political change and making things happen, whether you like it or not. GB News can do that whether it's big or not. So is it maybe the way it was framed as the Fox News wasn't about it being this massive, successful media organisation. It was about it making change and disrupting in the way that Fox News can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I think I think that's a good point. And I guess from their perspective, they for them, any comparison with Fox News, which uh, divisive as it is, is very popular. So if they can make comparisons... If they if there are comparisons between them and Fox News, and they're they're doing a good job in the sense of uh, of attracting a large audience. So what's changed? Is it the just the staff, or is it the the tack of the channel? I think it's the staff. I was uh, I was thinking about this on on the walkover actually. So at the beginning, um, when it when it launched, you had people who had come straight out of journalism school or university. In some cases, I think there was a there was a quote in one of um, one of the New Statesman's articles on this around a year ago by Stuart McGurk. One one of the things that stood out to me was that there was a an anonymous senior member of staff quoted as saying that one of the junior members of staff he thought or she thought had never read a newspaper before. So you could imagine that at the beginning there would have been you know they weren't it was a it was a bootstrap organization but two years on like I say you've got probably you've got anyone who was disheartened by what it became has left and the junior members of staff who who started two years ago have now got two years of experience they've either left they've been booted out or they've learned and so I think the main thing that's changed for them probably is they've really honed it you know they they started off when when they probably weren't ready to start, when they weren't actually ready for launch, um, but they launched anyway. They learnt on the job, and you know, after 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 this amount of time, you'd think they would have improved. And um, I think clearly, technically, they have improved. Commercially, how is GB News doing? Uh, yes. Yeah, so currently, we're not 100% sure, but they did release their company's house figures a couple of weeks ago, earlier this month. And so in the year to May 2022, they had revenues of 3.6 million, and they made a loss of 31 million pounds, which doesn't sound good. I think probably they would say and, um, you know, uh, lots of lots of business reporters who cover startups would say the 31 million pound loss. Yeah, fair enough. You'd think that, you know, they got some big deep pocketed investors um, who would have expecting who would have expected it to make a loss. Um, what I think what surprised me more actually was the 3.6 million pounds of revenue. I th- think you would have they might have expected a bit more than that. But like I say, that was uh, that, that was the year to May 2022. So we're nearly a year on from that. I suspect they would have grown significantly. I think it's unlikely they are making a profit yet, but I would have thought they brought down their losses a little bit. And I was passed on a note that the chief executive uh, sent out to staff at the end of February, I think it was, or earlier this month. And he said that they had moved, they were moving into their third phase of development. So um, first phase was launch, second phase was building up a big loyal audience. And the third phase now is to quote financial sustainability and profit, uh, which which suggests they're not there yet. Yeah, the channel seems to have, the attention around it has died down somewhat. And it feels to me more like a like a normal 
TV channel. It's it's functioning to an extent, but that's coincided with the the output going a bit more a bit more wacky. To be polite, would you say has that? Have you seen that crossover happen where it's gone? Yeah, the the presentation has got more like what you'd expect from a traditional television channel, but what is on it is certainly not what you would be expecting. Mm. Yeah, I think in terms of the wackiness. I'm not sure because I guess it's difficult to to form a full view on that unless you watch it. And as luck would have it, one of my colleagues, Bron Maher of Press Gazette, <laughs> spent yesterday watching GB News from start to finish, okay. um, which was for a press. The Gazette first feature. person to ever do it, possibly. No, I wouldn't have thought so. I would have thought there'll be there'll be people around the country who've got it on all the time. I kind of thought that maybe the wackiness you're talking about might just be a phenomenon on social media. He says that actually. It's uh, there, there's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of strange stuff going on on there. Um, yeah. You know, some of it some of it you'd expect. Maybe if you watched every, you know, maybe if you strapped yourself into a chair and watched Sky News for fourteen hours, you, you'd um, come up with something similar. But you know, so I, I, I just took a few notes of things that that he mentioned. Um, so evening in in the evening, it's uh, Dan Wooten speaking about the MSM, which is you know. Of course. He's uh, he You've is a, a product of, us where you can. <laughs> he is a product of the MSM himself, and he you know he, he still writes for the Sun, does he not? Uh, the Mail, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but that's uh, that's a big thing. Eamon Holmes sounds like he's uh, he's a good laugh. He was talking about um, his uh, he invited his co-host to touch his tie, which was worth 130, uh, which he paid 135 pounds for. Apparently, he described uh, Rishi Sunak as a tiny little leprechaun. And he also said that he wishes he could talk to his dog. So I think, you know, it's uh, and this is the sort of stuff that I doubt that's on social media or, or, that, yeah. or, or that people are, are noticing it. So there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on there. What we see on social media, though, you know, like uh, Matt Letizia, the coast guy, Lawrence Fox, Nigel Farage, is that part of its, its strategy there that it maybe doesn't want to dominate in the TV space? It needs to dominate more widely. And that's why we're seeing these kind of reactive, reactionary viewpoints that get spread and go viral is that part of the strategy yeah i guess it's it's really important isn't it to um i mean in general they've obviously they and talk tv have launched channels and thought we want to be on normal television so they obviously think there's still an audience and that's going to be around for a while um but i think there must be a recognition as well that most most people They've got a they've got a much wider potential audience online, and I know they're they're keen to to build up their US audience as well. They recently put their gave their website a a .dot com rather than .co .uk. So yeah, I think that's all important, um, and it's got to be quite you know I'm sure it's the case in lots of newsrooms around the country. Um, you you want to find things that that go viral, and I guess in their case, they can actually use their hosts and on screen talent to to go viral. Mm. Do you think the website will will work? Because we've seen I, I noticed, for example, the Express. There was there's a day on Twitter where it seemed like every single report from the Express was moving to America to report from there, and clearly there's mm. there's there's a, a, there's a vision for expansion into an American market. But I remember Global a few years ago, didn't they? They did a they did their own news website, and it seemed to again they were very excited about it, and then it just sort of wound down. And it's clips from LBC now. Do you think the GB News can can actually do that? Do you think that would be successful for it, or are they taking off a little bit more more than they can chew already because they've they've got the ducks in a row here, and then they go, oh, we can do a website too, and it's a whole different kettle of fish, really. Mm. I guess success isn't guaranteed, but I think their idea of getting a US audience is interesting and and, and could be um could be a good strategy for them, at least in terms of 
getting lots of clicks and lots of people watching it because, um, and this is a phenomenon that I've been watching quite closely for Press Gazette, but uh, as you say, the Express just sent a load of people over to America. The Mirror and the Express and the Irish Star, uh, oddly, um, have all recently launched in the US. The Sun's got a big operation there. The Mail's obviously got a big established operation there. And the thing is, all of these news websites were getting lots of hits from the US already. Like there's this big US audience that potentially is underserved. No idea who they are. I don't don't know. <laughs> I mean, who well, I knows? If you like, get who's... to a smaller market in the US, it's still potentially yeah. as big as as big as the market here, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're running a news website, then if you can make it in the US, then that's really valuable. So yeah, I would have thought they GB News would be looking at that and thinking, mm, I don't know, maybe Maybe we won't send. Maybe we won't set up a bureau there or anything at this stage. Um, but why not just try and get lots of US clicks? We mentioned complaints. You mentioned the regulators there. What's what's the deal with complaints though? Because Ofcom, for example, is quite. It's not particularly proactive. It wouldn't appear to me. It, you it requires complaints to act. And is that why we're not really seeing very much happen in the way of stopping what's going on with GB News? Because I just see that there's a Twitter storm about it every few days, and then. There's a Twitter storm about it every few days, and it doesn't really seem to to stop this happening. So, yeah, what's going on there? Yeah, I think GB News would probably say that they are quite keen to um, to to not be the subject of of Ofcom complaints. I mean, you know, there's the uh, the departure of uh, Mark Stain recently. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder. I, I mean, I yeah, I think you're probably right that Ofcom doesn't have someone who's just watching, who's doing doing a a Bronmar of Press Gazette and watching 14 hours of GB News a day. Um, but then I guess they'd probably say, well, it's not the biggest channel out there anyway. And um, there are lots of other... If, if we were to watch every single television um, channel all the time, then yeah. But yeah, I think this kind of possibly goes back to the point that when they when they launched uh, and what, what goes on social media, that, that gets a lot of attention. But I guess what's being lost is, you know, what's going on with the other... 10 and a half hours of the day. Is it an issue of of regulators not being able to keep up with the changing media landscape, which we have we've seen for, for years now, in that, yeah, as you say, maybe there aren't that many people watching GB News, but then millions of people are seeing these clips on Twitter. And I witness them, and it's usually people who are very outraged and complain about them. But for everyone who complains about it and says how horrible it is, there's probably other people who silently are watching it and going, oh, you know what, maybe there is this big conspiracy that's going on behind the scenes. Is it an issue that Ofcom isn't isn't on the front foot there. It's not really learning how to deal with broadcast to social media and this slipstream which we, we're witnessing. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, it's uh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because um, there's just a huge amount going on online. Um, and yeah, I mean, and also the thing is, um, and I, don't, I haven't seen the latest figures on this, but I know that the general trend is that the BBC, for instance, is getting lots more complaints um, on its coverage. So if you're Ofcom, uh, you know, it's a reasonably, it's a well-funded uh, regulator, but it hasn't got all the time and all the resources in the world. So it's really got to pick its battles, I suppose, to an extent. Um, yeah. So it gets kind of swamped out, I suppose, because there's so many more people watching the BBC and then likely to make sort of superfluous complaints, which don't really matter that much. And then the GB News ones go down and down the list. And again, mm. it's also, I suppose, the do you think the established media buys into that as well? Because the Daily Mail, for example, let's be honest, we, we know hates the BBC. Mm. So they're going to make a big fuss about complaints against the BBC. And you'll see these online stories of how many complaints were made about a bit of BBC yeah. coverage. And you don't see that about GB News. Do you think that's a bit of the 
the pack mentality between the media happening there and the, the qualms they perhaps have with the BBC exacerbates it when there are complaints against them. Yeah, I'd say that BBC receives a thousand complaints on something is probably a bigger story than GB News receives a, a thousand complaints on something because it's the BBC. You're right that, you know, there are motivations there, but also the fact that there are just so many more people watching it, so many more people have heard of it because I guess, you know, we're speaking from um, from your studio bunker, which is, uh, you know, we're, we're in the media bubble, right? And um, so we, we're very interested in, in GB News, um, but and it has got a fair audience. But there still, there still must be millions of people out there who have never watched. I mean, there are millions and millions of uh, people out there who have never watched it, and um, so it is less of a big deal than than the BBC. And um, yeah, maybe we just need to be watching it fourteen hours a day. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's a bit like getting the the right people for the job rather than the most talented people for the job. And that can maybe make it a bit more seamless. So, for example, I'd say Tom Harwood is not as good a, uh, a broadcaster as Andrew Neil, let's say. I think that's probably a fairly objective thing yeah, to put yeah. there. But he clearly wants to do what GB News is doing as a project in a way that Andrew Neil just simply didn't. So yeah. is it... Have they lined that up correctly that eventually it's that it's them teething problems then going, well, we might as well have people who aren't as good at the job but are totally on board with the project as opposed to getting these these star signings who then can throw it into a bit of a mess? Yeah, I think absolutely. That's probably um that's not just a, a media thing, is it? I think you get people who want to work for your company and that's that's how startups succeed by finding people who really buy into the vision. Um so yeah, that makes sense. And and actually alluding back to one of your points from earlier, but I guess if if you're GB News and, and you're thinking we want to come across as this uh, anti-establishment um, startup, then maybe even Tom Harwood is better because then you've got viewers who are who are rooting for him, whereas Andrew Neil's this establishment figure who doesn't really need to be rooted for. But they they then simultaneously again are going for the extreme end of the establishment. It would seem to me by getting people like Jacob Rees-Mogg to replace Mark Stein. Mm. Does it feel like there's much? I don't know if you've just been speaking about this strategy there, but on the on the bigger names, does it feel like there's anything particularly cohesive there? Because people like Reese Mogg and Lee Anderson feel a bit like, well, Talk TV has got Nadine Dorries, so so why not? Why don't we get them? I don't know. I think probably there is a bit of a strategy there. I think they know who their audience are and 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 who their audience are interested in. And Jacob Reese Mogg probably ticks most of the boxes, uh, as does Lee Anderson. Um, why so- do you think Jacob Reese Mogg does though? Because to me, he's he's quite clearly a very posh man, mm. and this seems like a channel which is meant to be for the the everyman. Why do you think mm. he actually manages to to fit into that Venn diagram? I don't know. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question that probably goes a, a bit deeper than um, than our conversation. But I don't know. Is there something in the fact that he's a posh man, but he's also kind kind of seen as having quite controversial and uh, anti anti establishment e views? Is that is that is there something in that? I don't know. I mean, I, I remember um, I've written a bit about 
I'm I'm not not relating the two of them at all. But I remember I've written and um, investigated uh, David Icke a few times in the past, and I think something that. I think it was a Press Gazette commenter, actually, a point that they made was the reason that David Icke does so well is because uh, in terms of he's such a successful conspiracy theorist, which I'm not suggesting that's, uh, you know, that's what Jacob Rees-Mogg is at all. But part of the success of David Icke is that he's got these completely mad conspiracy theories, whether he believes them or not, I don't know. But he's also a former BBC broadcaster. He's got quite a posh accent. He's a He's a white man. So... That's kind of like, that's not. He's not the sort of person you'd expect to to, yeah. to have these wild. The establishment views. turning on the establishment gives it a sort of veneer of yeah veneer of respectability. Maybe. Yeah, and uh, like I say, I shouldn't really compare Jacob Rees-Mogg to uh, to David Icke, but maybe there's just something in the fact that uh, with with Jacob Rees-Mogg, he's uh, he's a posh man who you'd expect to be establishment through and through, and yet he's got these views that probably align with a lot of GB News's audience. What have you thought of all these people who are just not really? journalists or TV presenters being given really high-profile TV gigs. Does that just seem very... It always seems quite strange to me. Like Nadine Dorries just doesn't seem massively, massively good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't watched too much of her stuff, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, I guess it's an interesting time politically for that because these are people, um, people who have been at the top of the government and all of a sudden, not very long afterwards, they're available and their views probably align with uh, with people who watch GB News and possibly people who who watch Talk TV. Although I think probably I've got less of a, I think there's less of a strong identity, at least in my mind, about who watches Talk TV. But yeah, I guess I guess it, I guess that's it. And then is it does it, is it also related to this virality that we're talking about if. Tom Harwood say says something controversial on on GB News. It it could go viral, but if Jacob Rees-Mogg does, or Jacob Rees-Mogg says something insightful about his time in government or about someone who's in power, then that's the sort of thing that's going to attract attention, and that's the sort of thing that um, is going to is going to keep you know yeah. political journalists or people in the establishment watching it. And maybe that's not their target audience, but it's useful to have the media watching because then the media is going to write about you and your audience is going to grow even more. So maybe that's it to an extent. Well, Nadine Dorries has been uh, been really good at breaking exclusives about herself. I've so maybe <laughs> uh, she got that she got that exclusive interview with Boris Johnson. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interviewing her best mate was really the the scoop of the year. Best say. mate or hero? <laughs> <laughs> the the channel wanted to disrupt. GB News wanted to disrupt things. Has it? I would say so. Yeah, it's got it's got an audience. It seems to be growing, at least from from figures I've seen. It has established itself in the UK media scene. And obviously the, the figures we spoke about earlier weren't that impressive, but I'd say that it, as a business and as a broadcaster, I'd say that it has disrupted. Has it disrupted as a journalistic force? I'd say that's probably more debatable because I think while, like, like we've been saying, they've got some high-profile presenters who who make who can make for viral clips and they've got people saying controversial things that go viral on Twitter for the wrong reasons. But yeah, so I'd say in those senses, I'd, I I think they have disrupted. I think where they haven't disrupted so much is in the uh, more pure journalism side of things. Like I'd say that Talk TV, while it's got a smaller audience and hasn't disrupted so much in that way, it's got Piers Morgan and he's interviewed Donald Trump and Cristiano Ronaldo and that's, you know, that's that's big news and that so journalistically i'd say that talk tv has actually made more of a has disrupted more even though it might not 
necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily say that it's as much of a disruptor because it's part of News Corp. But so I'd say in that sense, GB News hasn't. But in, in the sense of um, grabbing the attention of uh, reasonably, a reasonable proportion of the of the population at different times, then yeah, I'd say it's uh, it has disrupted. And in that sense, it's... Um, it has. Uh, it's on the way to success. Zooming right out, where do you think TV news is going? So, I think it kind of depends on some bigger factors. Uh, so, the BBC, um, who wins the next election? What does that mean for the BBC? Um, the licence fee, the future of the licence fee, because the BBC is obviously such a such a huge force in the UK yeah. uh, broadcasting scene. So, it really does. It kind of comes down to that. In terms of uh, TV news channels. Um, like BBC News, Sky News, and GB News, and Talk TV. Those are the, those are the main four, I'd say. I think that's all up in the air, really. Um, so the um, the internal note that I mentioned earlier from the chief executive of GB News, he said that we want to establish ourselves as the uh, number one, whatever that means exactly, but the number one news channel in the UK by 2028. And that sounds very bold because I know there's been a lot of ridicule about GB News's numbers, but actually it's it's been growing. And some of the figures that I've that I've been shown, admittedly by people who are supportive of GB News, show that it has been making up ground on Sky News, beating it at prime time sometimes. A couple of times it's even, it's even overtaken the BBC News channel. And so if they can keep growing at that rate, then I think that GB News is, you know, is heading in the right direction. We've got Lots of uncertainty about the BBC, as I say, and in particular the BBC News Channel, because that's being merged with Global News. So you're going to have one channel which is covering BBC, which is covering domestic news and world news. So what does that mean for what does that mean for UK news? Will that drive more people away from BBC News? And then the there's a bit of uncertainty about the future of Sky News as well, because Comcast, the American company, bought Sky. Um, in 2018, at that point, it committed to keeping Sky News's budget as it was at that time. Don't know exactly what that is, but that's that commitment presumably runs out in 2028. So, what does that mean for the future of Sky News? So, there are lots of questions going on. Yeah. So, it, and, that, and that that again, does Talk TV become a become a force? Does GB News keep growing? Those are, those are the big questions in terms of TV news, I'd say. And broadly. How much of it's going to go online? How many people are really going to be watching TV news? How many people are going to be consuming TV news or broadcast news through TikTok or, or, or other platforms? Those are big questions. And then I guess kind of going back to, to and, and the overriding question about that is uh, how Fox News-ized does the uh, UK TV news industry become? And I guess that kind of depends on all of those factors and whether... GB News does become the number one force, and and how it kind of shapes its its future. Does it does it try and go after those um, the the more you know the journalistic scoops, the big interviews, or does it lean more into hiring people like Jacob Rees-Mogg uh, and other other politicians and people who are who are going to create headlines for things they say rather than uh, stories they uncover? More GB views than GB yeah. news. Let's yeah, say. that's it. Are we yeah. So it's either heading in a is it heading in the news direction? Is it heading in the views direction? I think that's the. I don't have the answer, but I think that's the. That'll be a big question for the next. What are we? Five years. Five years till twenty twenty eight. Will, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you. Listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, remember you can back us on Patreon so we can keep making them. There's a link in the show notes or just search Bunker Patreon Podcast. This is Jacob Jarvis. Thank you for joining me for The Bunker. The 
The Bunker Daily was written and presented by Jacob Jarvis. The producer was Kasia Tomaszewicz, with audio production by me, Jay Bailey. The group editor is Andrew Harrison, with music by Kenny Dickinson and artwork by James Parrott. The Bunker is a Podmasters production. <laughs>